Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. The first six verses. Read it from the King James translation. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him but appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who had builded the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confession and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. May the Lord add his blessing to this reading of his word. In that first verse, we have the title of the message tonight. When he says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, and then begins the title, Consider the Apostle and High Priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. So I've titled it, Consider Jesus. If you were reading it out of another translation, uh, such as the Good News Bible that I've been following some, you would find the words, Think of Jesus. Think of Jesus. He makes it very clear in this particular passage of scripture that Jesus is greater than even Moses. Now Moses was the most respected of all of the people of the Old Testament. Jews thought of Moses as their greatest man, greater than Abraham. They made reference back to Moses continually. Well, he certainly was a a great man. Can you think of any other person anywhere in all the scripture that God treated as he did Moses from the protection of his life in Egypt when uh, he instructed Moses' mother to put him in a little basket and set him afloat on the Nile River and there caused Pharaoh's daughter to find him and to take him into her house where he grew into adulthood, who led him through 40 years in the wilderness as he brought the Hebrew people out of Egypt. And when it came time for the burial, God himself performed the ceremony and did the burial. The only person I know of in the Bible that God personally buried. 
In fact, the only person I know of in the Bible that God performed the funeral. God had a point and a place in this man's life, and he was considered great. Look at all the miracles. If there was any one person that experienced miracles, it was Moses. Look at all the miracles of the uh, plagues in Egypt. How Moses was able to throw down his rod and it would turn into a stake. And on they went. Consider the miracle when Moses brought the Hebrew people, three million of them, to the edge of the Red Sea and the Egyptian army was behind them and God performed the miracle of dividing the waters and the people went across on dry land. It's one thing to divide that water, it's another thing to dry up the mud that would have been in the bottom of that river. The scripture says they went across on dry land. And I believe that. Consider the miracle they performed out there in the desert when they were hungry and had no water and were scorched by the heat and had no light for the nighttime and God provided it all. Consider the fact that Moses is the only person in the scripture that it is spoken of that he spoke face to face with God. And yet, the writer to Hebrews says, Jesus is greater than Moses. And that's got to be our theme tonight, that Jesus is greater. John the Baptist was preaching and had a great following. But the day came when he said to his disciples, Behold the Lamb of God, referring to Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Another occasion he said, There is one coming after me whose shoes I am not worthy to untie. He said on another occasion, He, referring to Jesus, He must increase but I must decrease. There are very few people who are willing to take a back seat to anybody else. It seems as though most people are uh, egotistical enough to want to be in front, want to be seen, want to be heard, want to be considered the leader, John the Baptist was one who said, I want to push Jesus forward first. I suspect that not everybody in this congregation or belongs to this church would be willing to put Christ above themselves. Because we have that base nature of wanting to be number one. I think the question we need to ask ourselves this evening, who is number one in our life? If we're perfectly honest, we could have an identification as to what individual is number one in our life. Some people would have to would say, honestly, would say, women would say, my husband is number one in my life. A few men would say, my wife is 
number one in my life. A few parents would say my children are number one. A few people would say I have a friend that is number one. But there would be some who would say I'm number one in my life. But the only way that we can live a kind of life that is indicative of what a Christian ought to be is to be like John and say, I put Jesus Christ first and foremost, and everybody else comes later. We've just gone through a long ordeal of a political campaign. And you saw on television, as did I, when the president, uh, a presidential candidate, whether Bush or Dukakis, would appear in any particular city, there would be a large group of people that would come out to, to see. I was even surprised when uh, our two candidates for governor made their trips around the state that you could find as you watch television that large numbers of people came out to see and to be there and to listen to what they had to say. And that's good. That ought to happen. A political candidate of some stature for governor or for uh, president or maybe even for a United States senator or House of Representatives or delegates or whatever can certainly find a group of people who are willing to listen. If we would announce that some great athlete were to speak at the Civic Center in Charleston on a given evening, it would not be difficult to find that Civic Center full of people who want to see and hear this outstanding individual that they've watched play. And I probably would go too if some of my favorites were there. Some people would go way out of their way to be in the presence of a movie star. I'll draw the line there. I'll go to see my athletes, but I'm not going to see any movie stars. Some of you maybe would. They can command a large audience. If some of the musical groups that are famous today, whoever they might be, were going to play, the auditoriums would be crowded. I have been in places where women faint in excitement over seeing their favorite star or listening to him sing. The oldest girl that we raised would have gone a hundred miles to listen to Elvis Presley. He was the greatest thing that God ever put breath in as far as she was concerned. Would any of you have done that? Or if he were alive, would you still do it? I've seen and uh, particularly watched on television the tremendous frenzy of excitement about somebody. And when we have a revival meeting, we announce and proclaim and try to encourage an attendance based upon 
the personality of the preacher or the musical groups because we see that as a way to get people into the house of God. When we announce that the Lord Jesus is going to be present and there is no excitement, no frenzy, nobody passes out at the name of Jesus. At least I've never seen anybody do it. But the scripture says Jesus is greater than all of these. And one would think that this tremendous personality would draw a crowd greater than any man that has ever walked the face of the earth. But he's ignored. Some probably would say that the greatest in my life is my family. But the scripture says that he that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Some might put friends first. Many would put work first. And many, many, many would put play first. And yet Jesus is the greatest that this world has ever known. But we don't believe it as a body of people. The writer to Hebrews said, consider Jesus. What about him? I think we could say this statement, make this statement and use it as our theme this evening. And the theme would be to put your mind on Jesus and leave it there. Put your mind on Jesus and leave it there. I want to go back to Philippians a moment. Paul's writing to the church of Philippi. In the third chapter, if you want to hold your Bible open there, I'm going to refer to this particular chapter twice this evening. First of all, in the third chapter of Philippians at verse 13. says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. We can use the word apprehend there and translate it achieve. I consider, uh, I count not myself to have yet achieved, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now I want you to notice in those two verses that here is the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest of the Bible characters, 
who describes himself as believing that he has not yet achieved what he ought to achieve as a Christian, but that he is putting himself into the race, he's going to forget what took place in the past, and he's going to go from this day forward. Now some of us need to forget the past. Some of us hang on to the past so hard and so determined to keep what we have had that we won't let go of it. And that keeps us from achieving what we ought to achieve for the Lord. Because we are drugged down by old memories, old habits, old friends, old ways of doing things, all of the old practices of Paul certainly did not dwell in any of his life upon his way before he was converted. You don't find him going back and lamenting over and over and over again the kind of life that he had. He says he forgets the things in the past and what's he going to do? He's going to reach forward. Now this reaching forward has the tone about it of putting some energy into his Christian life. Now most of us don't put much energy in being Christian. We just sort of drift along. He's reaching forth unto those things which are before, and then verse 14, his, he says, I press toward the mark. The indication that he is really putting himself into it. He's talking about an athlete. I learned when I was in school and trying to do a little track, which I was never very successful at, but I learned one thing. My coach taught me well, and that is if I'm going to get to the goal, I'm going to have to quit looking at the feet and look out there where I'm going. My grandfather taught me that when he taught me how to plow. He told me to quit looking down, but look out there where I was going. And I would achieve the goal. I am told, although I've never done it, that a person can climb any height that he wants to climb as long as he doesn't look down. I learned a little bit of that out here on the roof. You know, you know some of them on the ground couldn't even look up because they were afraid that we were going to look down and come down. There's a few things I couldn't achieve up there on that roof, and that was getting out on the edge like Bobby and a few others did and nailed that first row. I was perfectly willing to sit there and wait until they got that done. Because I wanted my feet a little closer uh, to solid ground, and I was too, too much intended on looking down at that point. As long as you're climbing upward and looking upward, there is no problem. You've seen it in the movies all the time. Somebody on a high tower, don't look down. Don't look down. That fact plays in life as well. As long as we're looking up toward Jesus Christ, we're all right. It's when we start looking down into our own affairs and being concerned about what's around us that we're going to falter and fail. Keep your eye on Jesus is the theme. And there are three things I want to say about it. We should keep our eye on Jesus and let go of the influence that others might have upon us that would be detrimental. 
let go of the influence of others that might hold us back. And I've had that very thing spoken to me in the past few weeks from our own congregation that there have been problems of people not reaching their potential because somebody had a stranglehold on them, so to speak. We must let go of what others might think, what others might do, and throw ourselves into the task of keeping our eye on Christ that we might achieve the goal that has been established for us. Secondly, I think we should suggest that we ought to let go of religious form. Now, I think maybe we could say here, well, that doesn't bother us any. We don't have a, a particular format to go by. You know, some churches in their bulletin they have all the service outlined. You uh, sing a hymn and have a prayer and take up the offering and right on down the line. I like that, as a matter of fact. I really do. But some would say that that's form, that you're in a rote pattern. Well, we do the same thing. We just don't print it on the bulletin. Every one of us who have been here very long can tell you exactly what we're going to do next right down the line. Are we not in form, whether it's printed on the bulletin? You know, that really makes little difference. The point is that we need to let go of being artificial in our act of worship. Of doing something because it's the next thing to be done. And there are a few times that we get totally away from that and probably have our better services. There are lots of artificial acts within the church that really mean nothing. We need to let go of those things that would keep us from having a right relationship with God or feeling that we need to be, for example, in a certain posture to pray. If you were in some churches, you don't pray unless you get on your knees. If you're in some churches, you don't pray unless you stand. This is artificial, and there's nothing in the Scripture that would indicate that we ought to conduct ourselves in any particular form. That's why I say to you, as I have said many times, that people who are in other denominations and don't follow our pattern of doing things are no less saved than we. Now, we cannot criticize the, uh, uh, the, the other churches. The Lutherans, for example, I went to a, a church service one time in a Lutheran church, and I was up and down and up and down and trying to find my place in what they were doing, I was totally confused. And I didn't get much out of that service, but I discovered that my good friends that invited me to go were fully in the act of worship and were praising God. They did it differently than I had been accustomed to, but they were praising God just as well. Let's never criticize somebody who may, who may have a different manner of praising God than, than we do. Thirdly, and I think more importantly, we need to let go of life's shackles that keep us from being all that we ought to be. Most of us are bound down by our own shackles. Take, for example, Peter. 
who was in the little ship out on the, uh, out on the lake. And John looked out there and saw somebody walking on top of the water and said, it's Jesus. And Peter looked out and said, Lord, if that is you, bid me to come to you walking on the water. And Jesus said, come on. Peter got down out of the ship. Now this is literal. This is not just a story. But down out of the ship and started walking across the lake on top of the water. He did it. Until he realized what he was doing. Until he discovered that there were waves around him. Until he took his eye off Jesus. He was all right. But when he took his eye off the Lord, when he put more interest and more attention in what his problems were around him, then he began to sink. That's exactly what we do. When we are not fully looking to and paying attention to Jesus, we're going to sink in our own misery. I assure you that that's what will happen. We sink in our own misery. We sink in our own problems. And Peter began to sink right there in the, in the middle of that lake, and he had to cry out for Jesus to get him out of there. Back in Philippians again, at the 10th verse, Paul makes a, a very powerful statement when he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now, let me... Let me read that from uh, uh, the Good News Bible. Verse, uh, chapter 3 of uh, uh, Philippians. I'm sorry, I started to read from Ephesians. Chapter 3 of Philippians. I want you to listen to it. Verse 10. All I want is to know Jesus and to experience the power of his resurrection, to share in his suffering and become like him in his death, in the hope that I myself will be raised from death to life. All I want to know is Jesus, was his statement. That's the translation that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection. All I want to know is Jesus and to experience the power of his resurrection. Now, most of us are not at that point. Most of us really are not particularly interested in knowing Christ to that degree. We want to know him enough to be saved, and that's it. And that'll be satisfactory. But Paul wanted to go beyond that. So I think that we need to say that when life gets rough, we need to look to Jesus. Is your life rough? Well, I'll tell you how to straighten it out. Keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have problems? 
You can overcome them. You and the Lord. Are you depressed? Are you depressed? Don't look in here. Look up there. That's the way to overcome depression. Are you tempted to sin? I guarantee you something. If the Lord Jesus is with you when you're tempted to sin, you won't do it. You'll not sin in his presence. You'll get away from him before you do it. You try it and see. Take Jesus with you. And your likelihood of sinning goes nearly to zero. Because you can't do it in his presence. When we sin, it's because we're out of the presence of the Lord. When things go bad, turn your eyes on Jesus. Let me close with this song. I'm not going to sing it, I'm going to read it. It says this, O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I think that's what keeps us from having an abundant life, from having peace, from having satisfaction, from having contentment, is that we have taken our eyes off Jesus and we are not considering him as a part of our affairs. When the Lord Jesus is a part of our life day by day, we have somebody with us that is concerned and understands and will guide us. When we take our eyes off him and begin to wring our hands and worry and try to solve our problems, we're going to sink, just like Peter. We're going to sink. When you sink, when you're going down, when your problems have overcome you, the only reason you're there is because you've taken your eyes off the Lord, and the way to get out of that sinking is to turn and look at Christ and pray for his deliverance. And he will do for you like he did for Peter, and that is reach down with his hand and take a hold of the hand of Peter and he picked him up and he'll do the same for you. Let's go back to the very first verse when he said, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. He's the greatest. He ought to command our full attention. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.